All right, hello everybody. I am back with the Black Woman's Guide to Understanding the Black Man. We are on chapter 10, and this is part four. We will pick back up right here, page 166, second paragraph. The Black Man's Sex Organ. <clears throat> the black man's legendary mythological penis is discussed in many secret conversations. He has lived a life whereby the public refers to his penis and his great size or power over women. This kind of gossip has transcended history and followed him from slavery. The stereotypical gossip is about his unrestrained sexual desire based on his animal-sized organ. Many of them say, along with their women, that they have been rumored and judged unfairly, and as far as they can tell, their sexual anatomy is just not qualified to be the weapon it is claimed to be. The simplest way to explain the black man's feelings of either superiority or inferiority about the size of his penis is to equate it to female's attitude and concern over the size of her breasts. Each tries to make the best of what they have, no matter what size, hence develop. It is not the size that counts, it's what you do with it. Obviously, like breasts, also fleshly appendages, they come in all lengths, widths, and shapes. The white man's liberation movement has forced him to address some of the issues discussed because black women keep up with social changes in behavior of whites and customarily bring these, bring these same topics or issues to the attention of the black man. While the black man is more than happy to get out from under the pressures of being considered the major breadwinner, they are repulsed by suggestions that they must incorporate more femi femininity into their motions. He's really not interested in learning to act more like a woman in order to date or marry one in peace. He's frigid, boasting, gives the impression of a man on the verge of bursting with the pride about his own existence. Outwardly, he tries to present himself as the exact prototype of a confident, take charge, masculine, bombshell. The inward man, however, bears little resemblance to the overweening vanity he projects on the outside. He has learned through painful lessons with women that intense desire and insatiable sexual passion can drive a man insane. He does not know his own mind, what he wants in a woman, or what type of woman to pursue. Yet against hope, against reason, and against all evidence, these strange creatures approach series of black women trying to impress them with their fortitude by flashing big bucks, slick dress, <laughs> dressing, irrational bragging, laid-back confidence, and willingness to negotiate to pave a way to the bedroom. And in all of these matters, he is slow, halting, wobbly, unsure of himself, and pathetically aware of his own weaknesses, which he tries harder and harder to conceal. His relationships with women camouflage his cries of despair, utter misery, and often continued loneliness, even when he has a woman, because he can never really be honest by introducing his real personality. Being with several women or trying to go with several at a time represents another one of his vain, mysterious ways to seek out the purpose of his real life. He is so helplessly attracted to beautiful women. 
When a black man admires a woman on the street, he will whistle, yep, or hoot out, or yell. This may be, hey, baby, or hey, mama, you sure look good, or hey, miss lady, or you sure is fine, or God, or she, or some other catchy type phrase to get the black woman's attention. If she smiles kindly and keeps walking, he will usually just go on back to whatever he was doing. If she makes a mean face or ignores him, he may have a negative reaction from being rejected when he thought he was paying the woman and a compliment. When this happens, he might yell out a curse word or tell her, um, oh, you can't speak or you ain't fine anyway. Or well, go ahead on B or F you. Then or some other hostile remark to either embarrass the woman, put her down, or show off in front of his friends. Sometimes a black man who is raggedy, nasty looking, or using crude language to approach a woman will be ignored. It's always amazing to black women that some of the most vile looking men will attempt to hit on her or get the attention of a very attractive, sophisticated looking lady. Black women think that he must know. Black women think that he must know that he doesn't have a snowball chance in hell of getting an upgrade woman's attention for anything. But this tells something about the ever-present ego of black men. They don't care how they're dressed, how they talk, or what they look like. They expect a pretty woman to respond to them. Some get so frustrated that they follow the woman down the street still yelling unsavory remarks at her to try to embarrass her for having the nerve to ignore him. The black man, even though those with honorable intentions who whistle at women don't know that whistling is a habit derived from savage male animals who make burly noises to attract a female animal. They use vocal signals to express their interest in a female. Baboons using lip-smacking sounds to attract their mates, just like black men who smack their lips or make hissing sounds to flirt with a woman. Some of them stick out their tongues as a way to insinuate an idea of what's on their minds. Sticking out the tongue is never a decent facial motion in any society. It is done to resemble an erect penis. It is also used by some animals to their opponents to signify hostility or aggression. So all that sticking out the tongue or running the tongue around the lips is not a good way to attract someone. Most black women think that this means that a man is hinting that he wants to have oral sex with her, and this is the way he offers it. Saying hello or goodbye has taken on a new language. Many of the brothers now use what they think is as a peace sign. They raise the forefinger and the middle finger in a V sign and say peace. This sign was originally used in Old England as an insult to imply a double penis or phallic symbol. Further back, it was used to signal the horns of the devil. Its meaning changed when Nixon used it in the 60s and the Vietnam War protesters picked it up to mean peace as opposed to war. The necktie the black man so proudly wears when he dresses up or has a high-powered job in the office of corporate world was originally designed by the French court in 17th century Europe. It was a badge of social elevation, phallic in design, and implied a psychosexual power of conformity among white males. In more civilized society, the men wear bow ties or draping shawls to keep from participating in the masculine tradition of dressing up. Black men over the years have become obese 
but both from eating more junk food and from eating better foods more often as a result of having money to do so. Those who work insist on eating three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because Americans have been raised to believe in those three meals as a complete diet and the only way to be nourished properly. In the Middle Ages, the Europeans only ate two meals a day. By the 17th century, they had moved to three meals per day, attached to the three parts of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In ancient African cultures, the black man ate one good meal per day, with possibly fruit added during the day or late night. On the birth of a baby, if the black man is a proud father, he will pass out cigars to announce the new addition to his family. Passing out cigars is not a black man custom throughout the earth. It is a pagan activity suggested a burnt offering for the father's part in the birth. It is also a phallic symbol of, of to brag about what he used to make the new baby. Europeans have always used phallic symbols to brag on their superiority. The Washington Monument in D.C. is a suggest suggestive of a phallic symbol because George Washington was the first president and therefore was very powerful in what he did. Although kissing it enjoyed by many black men and they have perfected it to an art, kissing actually is a method of personal famili familiarity started by the Romans in Rome. Other non-white peoples usually touch cheeks or rub noses or hug as a way to express love for their mates. Even today, though, some black men do not like to kiss and many others have never learned the knack of it. Being romantic as representing good love or high desire is also a term picked up from Rome. The Romans used this word to express their particular kind of love expression most exemplified during their orgies. The point here is that black men practice a lot of traditions and follow a lot of standards and practices which they do not know the origin of. The black man has not taken it up on himself to find out what his own ancient traditions are so that he can announce them and adopt them in a modified way of some sort here in America. On researching many of the practices that are now acceptable habits to them, one finds that they are not from the black man's culture, nor representative of his ideas. The black man's relationship with his mother is an interesting one. He is often torn between his love and hate for her. He loves her because she fed and clothed him, looked out for him, and did her best to raise him. He hates her because she restrained him, rebuffed him, tried to turn him into a daughter, and did not provide him with a father. He has been taught all his life to honor his mother, and he loves her in the best way he knows how. He tolerates her and tries to get her to understand his points of view. He fakes respect for her ideas, even if he has learned that she is way off base in her recommendations to him. If he was taught against his father as a child, he now understands from living with his mother some of the reasons his father probably left her, and that his father may not be so bad after all. At least he's a man. In most cases, he does not know that his mother loves him and is proud of his maleness. Every mother wants to love and admire her son. His bond with her is a special one if they get along. If they do not get along, he is plagued with unsuccessful relationships with women throughout his life because his first introduction to femalehood ended in emotional tragedy. All right, we're going to stop there, take a little break. Uh, I think that got really, really, really deep uh, toward the end. The way that she put that in context about 
the mother's uh the the black man's relationship with his mother being a love hate relationship and um man it just shows how important it is for us to understand a black man so we can rebuild these relationships back because my god you know then you got these sons and you raising these sons and they you really don't know how to raise them by yourself and they trying to love and respect you but they also you get on their nerves and they know why they daddy left <laughs> that's how she put it <sighs>